welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 22nd of April 2018, entitled Hindrances of Satan, Part 6. And the Bible readings are taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, and Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to be opening your Bibles for our scripture reading this morning as we continue... Uh, in our series, uh, we'll be, if you'd like to find Ephesians chapter 6 first and uh, just place your finger there because we'll be coming, coming back to that one uh, uh, very, very shortly. Ephesians chapter 6, and with your finger there, if you'd also turn back in your, in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, or forward in your Bibles from where you are in Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians Chapter 2, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read, first of all, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, not a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, We were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also how holily and justly and unblameable, we, be, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. They please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak 
to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sin always for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. And then in the book of Ephesians, just a few pages back in your Bible, chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May the Lord richly add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. Amen. You can be seated as we continue. We have been looking, and of course, this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 being the theme of our conference back in February, how that we are in a spiritual battle, but we can stand against that enemy. We can stand victorious against that enemy. And as believers, he will fight our battle for us. We're not fighting this in our own strength, in our own flesh and blood, but in the Lord. Now, 12 years earlier than those words were penned under inspiration by the Apostle Paul, he had written this letter to the church at Thessalonica that we read here from chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. We find that we can read through this, and we've talked about many of those things already, but we see very, very clearly that the whole context of what the Apostle Paul is writing to this church at Thessalonica was that they had been with them not for their own personal abilities, but to proclaim the gospel to them, to preach the gospel to them, not with enticing words and flowery bits, but to preach it, the privilege, the honor that it was for them to be able to proclaim that even though there were many things coming against them. There were many things, many of those that were trying to stop them from being able to do what they were doing there. But of course, the apostle Paul makes it very, very clear 
that with all the good that was done, and I want you to keep in mind, the Apostle Paul was ministering, and he was ministering under the power of the Holy Spirit, and souls were being saved. That's what he's reminding this church of, how they had come to them, and they had literally poured their hearts and their souls out to them, They had preached the gospel to them, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had heard that gospel, not as the words of men, but as in truth, the words of God. They'd been saved. They were part of the redeemed. They were part of the family of God. We find that with all of this, the Apostle Paul openly admits, of course, we would have been with you more. There was times, he said there, In verse 18, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. All these things, Satan had hindered them, even though they'd done such great, he's openly saying we would have been there more, doing more, if Satan hadn't hindered us. Now, we've We've seen that we're in this spiritual warfare, this this spiritual battle. I want you to be reminded once again there, though, that even with this Satan hindering, he comes back and says, what is our, our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? He said, if there's anything at all, it's in what God has done to you through the gospel. You are our crown. You are rejoicing that despite the fact that Satan hindered us, we were able to preach the gospel to you. And you responded to that gospel. Therefore, your souls are saved. Now, in this spiritual warfare, it was literally some 12 years later after this event here at Thessalonica, after he had written this letter to them, that Paul wrote the words that we read when he wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus, declaring to them that they needed to put on the whole armor of God that they might be able to stand. Keep in mind, Christians, We're not talking about how we can be defeated. We're talking about how we can stand. And even in the context of that, he was talking about we're fighting a battle, not of flesh and blood in this world, but of spiritual wickedness in high places. He talks about being able to protect ourselves against, stand against the wiles, the tricks of Satan himself. How to be able to quench all those fiery darts that he might throw against us. But notice also, even there in its context, the reason that he's standing is so that he can speak boldly, so that he can declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to be able to to declare to these people. He said there, after putting on the whole armor, all the prayer that was going up and everything, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of what? The gospel. The gospel. Satan may want to hinder you from doing a lot of things. And I mean, we're up to what? what is this? This is the, the sixth in this series that we've been looking. And I really, the Lord impressed upon my heart after a great conference and after learning how to fight those battles, that from a very practical standpoint, folks, We need to be very, very aware. We're not here to be defeated. We're here to have the victory. We're here to stand against our enemy. But we need to understand how he's coming against us. And we've been looking at some of the hindrances. The apostle Paul said, man, God has blessed us. We've seen people saved. God's doing great things. But 
We would have been there even more doing more had Satan not hindered us. What might Satan be hindering you from God accomplishing through your life right now? How might he be coming against you even as we gather here this morning? Now, I'm only going to say this in passing. We have been reminded in looking that our enemy, that we need to be reminded of some facts, and that is the reality of his presence. He is there. He is there. Going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it, our enemy is real, and he is a powerful enemy. The realm of his power, the realm of his power is in the spiritual world. Yes, that stuff gets over into our natural world a lot of times, but our battle is not a fleshly one. The reason for his program to oppose anything of God, to oppose anything that is genuinely of God. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. We find that we've looked at a number of hindrances, and of course, the very first, first one we looked at is that Satan hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. I want you to understand, if you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that we love you. We don't feel that you're a downcast or less than us because that you're not saved. We love you so much. We want you to have what we have in Christ more than anything in this world. But I want you to understand this even more. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died for you. He died for you so that you could live. Now, you can waste that if you want to. You can reject that. You can push it away. But maybe today it's God that's pulling at your heart. You need to understand the powers of darkness are what wants you to keep you from becoming a Christian. Satan will do anything in his power to hinder the sinner from coming to Christ. And we looked at all those different things that he used. We said also that Satan hinders people from coming to church. Now, not just any church, but he wants to hinder you from gathering with God's people that will still stand upon this book, that will stand upon the truth, that will proclaim the truth. If you're lost, he don't really care if you go to church, but he does not want you to be somewhere where the gospel is being preached clear and simple and plain that you can understand what God wants for you. You can get into all the religious stuff you want to, but he doesn't want you to be in the house of God, where, as we see here, he was hindering Paul from preaching that gospel. He's going to hinder you from hearing that gospel. We find that he hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. He hinders the sinner and the saint alike from coming to church where the truth is stood upon, where the truth is preached. Christians, we need to grow and mature, but above all else, we looked at all those things that God does for in the church, but our greatest job is winning the loss to Christ. Our greatest job, we need to be stronger. We need to fight off the enemy. We don't need to grow to impress men. We need to grow that we can be stronger, that we can reach more people with the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus came. That's what it's all about, getting the gospel to every individual out there. A Christian, he doesn't want you to be here. He wants you to be weaker when he comes against you later in the week. 
He doesn't want you to be able to either have the preaching of God's truth. He doesn't want you to have the fellowship of God's saints, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And because you are a Christian, you're not going to stop being a Christian because you don't come to church. But the Word of God tells you not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together like some people are doing, but you need to be here to exhort one another, to build one another up. You see, we come together. We need each other. We're not in this battle alone. We're fighting a spiritual battle, and Satan doesn't want us to be stronger. He doesn't want us to be able to stand. He wants to be able to sideline us. He can't take away your salvation but he can take away your effectiveness, your service for the Lord. We saw how Satan hinders the Christian from being consecrated to Christ. <laughs> you see, our goal should be to be as Christ-like as we possibly can in everything, to be set apart from this world. We find that Satan doesn't want that. He doesn't want Christ to be seen in your life. He doesn't want others to see Christ in you. He wants you to look like and smell like and be like the world as much as possible. And he'll do anything that he can to hinder you from becoming more like Christ, to be controlled by him, to be used by him. You need to realize, and we've looked at that already. And then we've been looking for the last couple of weeks that <laughs> Satan will hinder the Christian from carrying out the commission. He'll hinder the Christian from carrying out the commission of Christ. You see, his final words was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, those that believed and are baptized will be saved, and those that are not, those that believe not shall be damned. It's a matter of life and death. We've looked at a number of things pertaining to that, but let me just say, he'll use anything that he can. We've seen how he uses people to hinder he tried to use Peter to hinder Satan himself. And it was out of love of his heart and all these things, Jesus begins to tell them that, that he's got to go into Jerusalem and he's got to die this death and he's got to rise again the third day. Peter says, no, 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 no way, Lord. We can't let that happen to you. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You see, Peter hadn't turned into Satan, but... Satan was using Peter out of his own love for Jesus. So I said, no, you can't do that. He will use people, sometimes the closest to you. We've seen how he will use the powers. We looked at the early church in the book of Acts, and in, in Acts chapter 4, he used the powers over the people. He used the, the, the council there at Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin there that, that was made up of, of the religious leaders of their day. It was made up of those. This was the governing body. And he was using those powers over the people. You see, we are to be subject to the powers over us, but not when it's contrary to the ultimate power. You see, you can't, you can't, you can't teach in that name. You can't preach in that name. We can't do anything else. He'll use the people. He'll use the powers over those people. We saw how he would use the possessions of those people in Acts chapter 5. We saw that in that particular case, it wasn't because that, that they weren't being generous. We find that 
when Ananias and Sapphira sold the piece of land, that was a that was a good thing that they did, and they were going to give money to the church, the work of God, as a, as, as a result of that sale that they had made. But they were totally dishonest about it. <laughs> they made believe like they were giving all of that sale to God, when in fact they were holding back a portion for themselves. They were pretending to give God everything, but it was those personal possessions. Sometimes Satan will use the possessions of this world that you have to hinder you from doing what God really wants to do with you, as he did those two. Now, if you look on down in chapter 5, notice that down in verse 17, we find that he used something else to hinder the people. This was persecutions by the people. He says, then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people of the words of this life. Now, I want you to realize they were thrown in prison for what they were preaching. But God used the angel to release them from prison and told them to go to the people and give them all the words of life. It was still that same gospel that needed to be preached. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with them and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent the, to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told. So they think they're still down there locked up. They come together. We've got to do something to stop these guys. Go down and get them and bring them up here. They went down there. They found out they weren't there. And told saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors, but when we had opened, we found no men within. I mean, hey, the prison was there. <laughs> the guards were standing outside, but when we opened the door, the prisoners weren't in there. They were gone. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Now, listen, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. There's no way. You're, you're, you're making this up. You know, they, they couldn't believe what they were being told by these men. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Those same guys that you locked up for preaching and teaching down there in the first place, those same guys that you can't believe is really not in the prison cell, guess what? They're back in the temple, and they're down there preaching again. <laughs> then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. 
Him hath God exalted in his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Hey, we have to obey God. God is the one that has done this. You killed Jesus Christ. God raised him, and he's at the right hand of God right now. He's being exalted there. We are witnesses. We are witnesses of this. We are to be witnesses to him both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. You can't be a witness unless you've been there. You can't witness for Jesus unless you've met him. You can't witness for Jesus if you don't know him yourself. But these men said, hey, you killed him, but we're here to witness to who he was and what he did. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, and in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. You better be careful. For before these days rose up, Theodos boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing and drew away much people after him, he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. To him that agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you folks, Satan wants to hinder, and the thing that he's after more than anything, and this is the root of it all, he wants to hinder the gospel from getting to the lost. He wants to hinder you, Christians, and he will use whatever he can to bring persecution against you if it will stop you in your tracks. These guys, I mean, this has already happened. We've seen before where they've been told, not, they can't help but do it. They can't keep quiet about it. And yet, I don't mean this nasty, but the vast majority of Christians sitting in our churches today, they are afraid to be a witness for Jesus Christ. They are afraid to stand up and be counted for Christ because of what somebody might think about them or say about them. We're not having to face being thrown in jail. We may someday, but the truth is it doesn't matter what they bring against us. We ought to be the brightest light that we can be. Satan will hinder you as he tried to hinder the first church. 
He will bring those persecutions against you to try to get you to stop. But I'm saying to you, they threw them in prison, <laughs> but God got them out. They threatened them. They told them they may not ever do this in Jesus' name again. The next thing we find, they're there, they're preaching, and they're teaching Jesus Christ. Where is our gumption today? Where? Where is it when we find that there's only one person that's trying to keep your life from being a witness, which was the last commission that Jesus Christ gave you? Oh, he gave that to the apostles, yes, the same apostles that were the foundation of the church that you and I are part of today with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Folks, it's just as much our responsibility. The church has carried this on, and you and I today we are here that we might be able to be used of God. He will use any persecutions that he can bring against us to stop that. I want to encourage you today. We sang that old hymn earlier, which, again, I know that uh, we live in a day when a lot of people like to throw out all of the old stuff, but it's been around a long time for a reason. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. Folks, we are Christian soldiers. We need to get in the battle. We are in a battle. The thing is, are we allowing the enemy to defeat us? Because if he is keeping you from being the witness that you ought to be, then he's succeeding in defeating you. That's what he wants to do. I want to give you one other one here this morning. If you look just into the next few verses, it's not always persecutions from the outside world that he'll try to use to hinder us. But he'll also use problems amongst the people of God themselves. He'll use the problems right here, right where we are. He may bring persecutions from out there. We don't know what the future holds. I, can, I would just only hope and pray. You say, well, preacher, how would you deal with that? <laughs> I'm astonished at verse 41 they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. If the world was persecuting you. Would you count it worthy that you might be able to suffer for Jesus? They preached and they taught. He goes on in the next chapter, he says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring. God's people murmur. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The outside world was trying to persecute them, to stop them, throwing them in jail, beating them, anything they could to threaten them, to keep them from, from being able to spread the news of the gospel, precisely what they wanted to stop. Now the people of God, they're together. One group starts to murmur and complain about the other group because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, I'm going to say something that I hope and pray that nobody, nobody takes, takes, takes wrong. I want to just share something from the depths of my You know, there, there are some people in this world that I'm sure that are clever enough that it doesn't take a lot of time. But if you don't even begin to understand, if you want me to be up here on Sunday mornings and to be up here on Sunday evenings 
And to be teaching the Bible study on Wednesday evenings and to teach the, 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 the Bible study on Sunday mornings and the children, when they go, if you want me to do all these, do you even begin to understand how much time that I need to spend with God if you're going to get anything? Now, I'm not promising you that I'll do anything great for you, but I'm telling you this, if I don't have time to spend with God on my knees and in this book, I'm not going to prepare four messages or sermons a week and have anything to give you without God doing something big because I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I've spent my life trying to do this. I told somebody the other day, you know, they were talking about, you know, knowing is all true. And I said, well, I'll tell you this. I believe in it so much that I honestly, honestly, if there's nothing to it, I have wasted my entire life because that's all I live for. You see, what these people were murmuring about, well, first of all, they ought not to have been murmuring. They ought to have been doing something about it. But I will say this. It wasn't that the problem of the widows being neglected wasn't a genuine problem. That was something in the church that was real and it needed to be sorted out. But what they were arguing about is that the apostles weren't taking their time away from their studying and preparing to do it themselves. I love to be able to take care of the widows. I love to be able to visit you if you're sick. I love to be able to do all these things. What he's saying here is you're losing your priorities if the one that's got to be trying to feed you is having to do all those things that it's taking him away from the time that he needs here. That's not taking any importance off of all the other things. I wish sometimes, and I'm not trying to make excuses for myself. I wish I could put a big S on my shirt and say I'm super pastor. <laughs> I can leap tall buildings and all these wonderful things, but I'm just a human being like you and probably the least amongst all of you. I don't, I don't stand up here because that I can do it. I stand up here because God called me to do it, and it's only by his grace, the same grace that saves any of us, but we need him. And I want you to understand, it's not that I don't care that I want to. I wish I was strong enough and powerful enough to do it all and not have to ask you to do anything, that you could do something else totally different. But you see, what's happening here, he's trying to stop the spreading of the gospel and he's trying to do it with the problems within the congregation. The problems are legitimate. The problems are real. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. I really, I really would not want to be part of a church that the pastor didn't care. And I'll be the first to admit, nobody gets more upset with this preacher than I do. I don't have more time. I mean, not just to come and see you when you're sick. I'd love to just be able to pop by and have a cup of coffee or drink a cup of tea or just enjoy fellowship and all those things. It's not a matter of not wanting to, but it's a matter of if those things begin to take away people, I don't say this badly. But, but most people not only don't realize the time it takes, but the numbers. See, I want to be available 24-7. And, and that happens a lot of times, right in the middle of other things. Yesterday, this morning, trying to get ready to get to church, you know, the phone's ringing, and people have real problems. Satan will try to use those problems. They are real. He'll try to use them uh, to hinder 
He can to hinder the preacher from being able to get up and have anything when he gets in the pulpit, to divide the church so that they're one against the other and there's no unity or harmony amongst the believers. He doesn't care. We need to grasp he's after souls. He'll use me. He'll use you. He'll use anybody we can. And guess what? I'm going to mess up sometimes. I'm probably going to get some priorities wrong sometimes. I'm not going to do some things that I should do. But it's not because of not trying and not wanting to. You need to pray harder for me. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be there for you. And I'm not able to do that without something beyond myself that's able to work through me what I can't do myself. But it's not worth, if God can stop the word being preached and taught, if God can get you at odds with each other, I mean, if the devil, not God, the devil's the one that wants to do that. If Satan can hinder these, the preaching of his word, or if he can hinder the people being united together, then he will do so. We don't have time this morning. We'll be come back next week, God willing. We'll see where this ultimately led to with this church. But I want you to realize, folks, what we're looking at here is we can pretend this stuff doesn't happen if we want to. We need to grasp right here, God knew exactly who would be here today. I didn't know who would be here. God knew exactly who would be here for, for, for this message this morning. Hopefully, God's got something there for you and for me and for all of us that we can take away. I will tell you this, that if you're here in this congregation this morning, or if somebody's listening to this out there over the internet, anybody that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ I can assure you that's why we're here. That's why the church is here. That's why we as believers are still here upon this earth and not in heaven because we'd be far better off up there. But it's more expedient that we be here for the time being because God uses men. He gave us the commission. I want you to understand. I don't want you to leave this, these doors this morning not understanding that everything about Christianity Everything about the church, everything about everything that we do, when it comes down to it, is God getting his message to you. You can accept it or you can reject it. What all has God done in your life? All the little things to put you in a position to be where you are, to even be right here in this place this morning. You can receive it or you can reject it. But you need to understand, Satan's the only one that wants to hinder you from being able to accept the greatest gift that God has offered to you, the gift of eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. He'll give you that forgiveness today that can bring that about if you will receive his gift. All of sin, all that comes short, you're not in this boat by yourself. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's simple, folks. Sin separates you from God. He is the source of life. Without him, you have no life. Death can only come when you're separated from him. But God has given you a gift to get sin out of the way. That's why Jesus tried to remove that sin so that you once again could be brought back to God, the very source of life, to give you life now and for all of eternity. The choice is yours. And Christian, church, we need to wake up and understand. You see, God will hinder you in a lot of these ways that we've looked at. He'll hinder you. 
He'll hinder you from being a more effective Christian. He'll hinder you from being the witness out there on your job, in your school, with your neighbors, wherever you are that you need to be. He will hinder you from being here and being a part of this church, that this church might be stronger, that it might be more effective. I don't want to pack the place out just so it can feel like I've done something good. If it's packed out, it'll be in spite of me, not because of me. I want to see it. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I want it to be because I want us to be a strong church that we can be effective, that we can truly be used of the Lord. What's God want to do with your life? What is Satan trying to hinder you from doing? All these different things, all these things that he can bring along, he'll use anything he can to hinder you, to hold you back. Father, so much could be said, but Lord, we feel like we've said what you laid upon our hearts for this day. Lord, I just like just like at the beginning of the reading for today, Lord, I'm not here with enticing words or my words at all, and it's not my words I want them to hear, but Lord, it's your word by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray. Whoever's here right now that doesn't know Jesus Christ, whoever's under the sound of my voice that doesn't know him, let them know that it's God through the power of his spirit because of his great love towards them. By his grace, he's reaching out to them, tugging at their heart's door. But the enemy's trying to hinder them. The enemy's the one that wants to get them to put off for another time, to put off to a later date. The enemy will do anything that he can help them to grasp and understand. Now's the only time they have for sure. Now's the accepted time. Now is the appointed time that they might accept Jesus Christ. And, Lord, please help us as believers. Help us to get all these things out of the way. We might be doing some good things for you, but help us. Help us to fight against the enemy that, Lord, that we won't be hindered from doing even more things for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Amen. 